We are downtown. We are historic. We are family. We are scriptural. We are First Baptist Church. If you would, find your listening sheet. It looks like this. It should be in your bulletin. We're going to read together Daniel chapter 1, uh, 17 through 21. Let's stand and we'll read aloud. This then is the text for today. As for these four youths, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. Then at the end of the days which the king had specified for presenting them, the commander of the officials presented them before Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and out of all of them, not one was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's personal service. As for every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and conjurers who were in all his realm. And Daniel continued until the first year of Cyrus the king. May God bless the reading of his word. The current state of affairs for Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah is as bad as it gets. Jeremiah could see it coming and bore the brunt of it. Ezekiel, too, it was awful. We, we don't grasp how bleak it was for all of Israel in 605 B.C. It's hard for us to comprehend the full picture of devastation from just Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. But that's certainly the scene that has been set. In Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, you see that total destruction has come upon Israel, Judah, and Jerusalem. In those initial verses, we learn that Babylon has destroyed them. Babylon has destroyed the temple of God and has pilfered the sacred. But you know, this sounds so tidy. It's hard for, for the written word to convey the utter destruction of war. Israel didn't lose just a few things here and there. 2 Kings 25 tells us that Babylon cut off the supply of food. And they began to shrink and shrivel. And people began to starve. And upon starvation, the army of Babylon came in and annihilated them. And as they came in to annihilate them, they began to burn Jerusalem to the ground. left smoldering ashes. It happened at every major city, complete destruction. Most of the people were slaughtered by the invading army. And the ones who weren't were deported to Babylon as prisoners of war. And this is where we meet Daniel. Now, there were some left behind, and they were left behind to die. As Lamentations describes the aftermath of the invasion, it was horrifying. 
And let me give you the, the nice way to put it, the PG way of putting it, was that it got so bad that mothers had to resort to cannibalism in order to survive. You know, we're doing a disservice to the text if we sugarcoat this. This time around 600 B.C. was as bad as it could get for a people. I mean, it looks as though, as you read through these texts, it looks as though God is done. It looks as though Judaism is done. It looks as though Israel has been wiped off the map. It looks as though the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is dead. The nation of God, the people of God, the temple of God are wiped out. There's nothing but smoldering ruins. If God is who he says he is, how could God let this kind of thing happen to his chosen people? But you know, if you, you skip ahead to the New Testament, and in fact, if we look towards Easter, you see a similar scenario. Because when we get to Easter, it, it looks like the Roman authorities have won as they whip Jesus Christ and they force him towards Golgotha, as they nail him to the cross, it looks as though they have won. It looks as though Christianity is done. It looks as though the Son of God is dead. But life was on the other side of the tomb. Jesus came out of the grave and Israel outlived Babylon. You know, it does still make you wonder though, why would God allow such awful things to happen to good people? In fact, when we're reading through Daniel, we get to Daniel chapter 6, and Daniel was as faithful as any of them. Daniel's praying three times a day, even though he's been ripped from his home as a POW. Uh, Daniel, he doesn't flinch. He, ju he just keeps praying. He keeps on his knees daily before the Lord. How could God allow these kinds of things to happen to his people? How could he allow these kinds of things to happen to Daniel of all people? If you go back, go back to 1 Kings, 2 Kings, it started with the leadership. Because as you, as you go back and look through the books of 1 Kings and 2 Kings, over and over again, it says the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah were evil in the sight of the Lord. In fact, you hear that refrain over and over again. Read 1 Kings, read 2 Kings. This king was evil in the sight of the Lord. That king was evil in the sight of the Lord. It keeps naming them evil in the sight of the Lord, evil in the sight of the Lord, evil in the sight of the Lord. And we wonder how they got there. Now, there, there was a couple of good ones along the way. Maybe 20% maybe were okay, but 80% were evil, and it was contagious. So much so that the, the children of God became selfish, entitled brats. Would you consider the four different texts with me? They're, they're on your listening sheet. I'm, I'm going to just run through them quickly. We get to 2 Kings 24. 2, Twing, 2 Kings 24 says that God is very much alive. 
God is very much alive in this act that this brutality that Israel has known was the wrath of God poured out on Israel because of their sin and because of their violence. Jeremiah 13 keeps the same word. It says that the children of Israel were so proud and so stubborn that Jeremiah calls them good for nothing. And he calls them good for nothing. He says because they refused to listen to God. God's word was there. God's word was calling out to them. And they said no. They refused to listen and will be destroyed for it. Ezekiel 14 says the same thing. Ezekiel 14 says Israel is going to bear the full punishment of God because they will not follow him. God has laid out his word. God has laid out his path. And he has called Israel to a certain way. And they refuse to go where God has called them. And when they refuse to go where God called them, God brought destruction upon the nation. God brought destruction upon the people. In fact, let's look at, at Daniel chapter 9. I'll read that one. Daniel chapter 9, if you'll flip with me, verses 7 through 11. Hear this same word. Righteousness belongs to you, O Lord, but to us open shame. This is Daniel talking about Israel. Us open shame as it is to this day to the men of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, all Israel, those who are nearby and those who are far away in all the countries to which you have driven them. And listen, because of their unfaithful deeds, which they have committed against you, open shame belongs to us, O Lord, to your kings, our princes, our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong compassion and forgiveness. Daniel's not blaming God, is he? Keep going. For we have rebelled against him. In verse 10, nor have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his teachings which he set before us through his servants, the prophets. In verse 11, indeed all Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside not obeying your voice, so the curse has been poured out upon us. Along with the oath which is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, for we have sinned against him. God was not dead, nor was God absent. Your country and your sanctuary have been annihilated. But it wasn't by the Babylonians. This was the terror of the Lord who came to purify his people and purify his land by the fiery wrath of heaven. But it didn't have to be this way. In fact, as you work through it, God gave them warning after warning. God gave them numerous ways out. You see, the wrath of God is a consuming fire that will melt you in an instant. But this consuming fire of God is extinguished by His grace. There was always a way out by God's grace. It was as true for them as it is for us. There is a way out by the grace of God. The grace of God is set for his children and says, come with me. And so I encourage you to, to go back and, and read Jeremiah chapter 5, read Jeremiah chapter 8, read Jeremiah chapter 15. It's speaking to all of these things. And in Jeremiah 5 and 8 and 15, God says, here is your way out if only you would but take it. Here is your way out if only you would but follow me. And God says the same thing in Ezekiel 14 and Ezekiel 18. Go back and read them. Read these passages and you will find the way out. 
Not only the way out for them, but the way out for us. Because it's, it's the exact same message of the New Testament. We've been there before. It's the first word of Jesus' ministry in Matthew chapter 4. It's the word that Peter gave after Pentecost, after the Holy Spirit sweeps through the congregation. It's the same word. It's the same word that, that Paul gave when King Agrippa asked him, what do you say when you go to these places? It's the same message that Jesus gave five of the churches in the book of Revelation. He said, you want to know how to prepare for the coming of the Christ again? If you want to know what's next, here is the word, here is the way that you need to know. Let's look at it in Jeremiah 15. Jeremiah 15, verses 6 and 7. This is how Jeremiah describes the way out. This is how he describes the current situation that Israel has found themselves in. Uh, Jeremiah 15, verse 6. You who have forsaken me, declares the Lord, you keep going backward. So I'll stretch out my hand against you and destroy you. I am tired of relenting. I will winnow them with a winnowing fork. At the gates of the land, I will bereave them of children. I will destroy my people. They did not repent of their ways. God has given them warning after warning to repent and return unto him, and they refused. Israel refused to repent. You see, God, God is only going to give you so many chances to repent. Eventually, the, you will bear the terrifying pain of your own choices. Eventually, you're going to see the wrath of God in your life. You see, we, we, could, we could blame God for Israel's destruction and the unbearable pain that they had to endure in these days. But God gave them a way out, just like he's given you a way out. Listen how Ezekiel describes it. Let's turn over to Ezekiel 18. Ezekiel 18, 30 through 32. Therefore, I will judge you, O house of Israel, according each to his conduct, declares the Lord. Repent and turn from all your transgressions so that the iniquity may not become a stumbling block to you. Cast away from you all your transgressions which you have committed and make yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. For why will you die, O house of Israel? I have no pleasure in the death of anyone who dies, declares the Lord God. Therefore, repent and live. See, that's the message of God for them. Repent and live. Re repent and life will come upon the nation. Life will come to the temple. Life will come to you. I mean, what else do we need to say? Repent and live. Now, as this story has unfolded, God is making a name for himself here. Because all along the way, God's children have squandered the opportunities that God has given them. And as they have squandered those opportunities, they have brought ruin under the name of God. It's not glory they're bringing under his name. In fact, it's pain and hurt. They're tearing the name of God down as they've gone their own ways. So God came in to make a name for himself, for those hearts who were receptive. Even in the exile, God, God does an incredible work. You know, as you look through Daniel chapter 1, and I, ho I hope you read all of it this week, God's name 
comes up a few times. All through the text. You know, I've, I found it quite remarkable, though, that as, as I was reading this week, that even in the midst of, of the destruction in the diaspora, Daniel kept the faith. Daniel was still praying. Daniel was still following the word of the Lord no matter what happened. But as you read down through Daniel chapter 1, it wasn't Daniel, was it? It was God. God is the one who, who gave Daniel favor with the Babylonians. God, God was the one who gave them the wisdom and the intelligence they need to rise up in the ranks. It was God who sustained Daniel for 70 years. In fact, when, when we get to, to the end of chapter 1, it's, it's chapter 1, verse 21, and an unthinkable, ha an unthinkable thing happens. God favors Daniel in such a way that Daniel outlives the Babylonians. The last verse of chapter 1 is telling us the end. It's telling us the end of Daniel, and it's telling us the end of this story. In the end, the Babylonians crumble to the Persians, and Daniel is left standing. And he's not left standing because he's Daniel. He's left standing because he is the Lord's. When the Babylonians are conquered by the Persians, Daniel is right there in the power and will of God. And you know, as we read down through there, it would be real easy for us to surmise that, that Daniel outlived the Babylonians because he ate well or because he took time for himself or because he was a hard worker or because he was intelligent or because he was good-looking. But that's not what Daniel chapter 1 says, is it? Daniel chapter 1 plainly and clearly tells us, now God was at work. In the faithful, God was at work. Even in the punishment of the nation, God was still at work in his children, building them up for something holy, building them up for the glory of his name and for his purposes and for his ways. God was at work. See, the right combination of diet and hard work is not going to save you. There's many of us who live our lives that way, thinking if we get the diet right, or we look right, or we have enough information, that we are going to be able to save ourselves. But that just isn't the case. There's only one who can save your soul from utter destruction. There's only one who can save your soul from the fires of wrath. There's only one who can save your soul from the pain of this earth, and that is God himself. You're never going to be able to save yourself from anything. You're not, you're not capable, but God is. God has offered you a way out. Are we going to take it this morning? I'm going to read one more time Ezekiel chapter 18. Ezekiel 18, 30 through 32, because the word for us today is not different than the word he left for Israel back then. Ezekiel 18, verse 30. Therefore, I will judge you. O house of Israel, according each to his conduct, declares the Lord, repent and turn away from all your transgressions so that iniquity may not become a stumbling block to you. Cast away from you all your transgressions which you have committed and make for yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. For why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone who dies, declares the Lord. Therefore, repent and live. 
See, the word for us this morning is that the relentless wrath of God is still real. And even as it stands, even as the judgment of God stands, the crucifixion is so. Because we understand in this place it's by the crucifixion of Jesus Christ that we have been given a way out. As we look forward towards Easter and the resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ, He is our risen Savior. He is our way out. And it's because of His sacrifice that we even have one more opportunity to repent and to live. So may that be so in this place this morning. Repent and live. Let's pray together. Father, we come before your holy throne as a people in need of a risen Savior. We pray that in this place this morning we would experience the Christ that he would chisel his way into our hardened hearts and bring respite. Lord, that wherever we, we find ourselves this morning in the pain of life, Lord, by your Spirit, may we cling to your way out. So we pray asking that your Spirit would move in a mighty way in this place. Lord, that you, you would redeem and restore your children. It's in the name of our Lord and risen Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.